This podcast is sponsored by the Faith Mission Christian Fellowship Church Incorporated, continuing the vision for end time ministry. Be sure to purchase Kerry Golston's first ever publication, Go Teach My People Faith, co-authored by Lisa Williams, now available on Amazon.com. We believe that you'll receive wisdom, understanding, favor of God and men, help to all your flesh and bones, and revelation knowledge as you partake of the word. And we believe that your faith is growing exceedingly. In Jesus' name, amen. Come visit us at 160 West 129th Street in Harlem, New York. We'd love to see your face in the place. But for now, enjoy today's message. Let's turn to Ezekiel 28, please. Ezekiel chapter 28. Hallelujah. If you're in the FMCF Bible, you're around page 1260. Page 1260 in the FMCF Bible. Ezekiel chapter 28. Hallelujah. Dealing with the supernatural. You know when the, the word of the word declares that if you are in Christ, you're a new creature, old things have passed away and all things become new. You're, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And as a new creature in Christ Jesus, you are operating on two levels. You're operating on the level of the natural, but you're also operating on the level of the spiritual. (laughs) And you should be more in the spirit than you are in the natural. But most Christians are more in the natural than they are in the spirit. They give the preeminence to 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 the physical or the natural and give second place to the spiritual or the supernatural. We want to reverse that. We want to deliberately reverse that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And too many people are afraid of the supernatural or stepping into that arena. That's why they don't do the things that God tells them to do because fear stops faith. Fear prevents your faith from working. And the fear of the supernatural is a fear of devils and demons and all of those things in that arena. Uh, Because I I had someone to say to me that uh, the way I deal with the devil is when I want to do something and I start doing it and I see that he's giving me a lot of trouble, I back off. I don't mess with that. Born again, spirit-filled, tongue talker. I don't mess with him. If he, he gives me any trouble, I back off. I cross that off my list. I ain't doing that. You don't like that. Imagine that, huh? Amen. But that comes from that comes from a lack of knowledge. That comes from a lack of knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus. And that as a new creature, you have authority over him. He's having authority over that individual because that, uh, that, uh, that individual is being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
So, having said that, in Ezekiel chapter 28, the first verse, the word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, Because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man, and not God. Though thou set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches, and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. But thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches, and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God? But thou shalt be a man, and no God, in the hand of him that stayeth thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Then in verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, and the workmanship of thy tabrets, and of thy pipes, was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Hmm. Hmm. But notice, in verse 2, he says, speak to the prince of Tyrus. And he said, you are but a man. And then 11, he says, or 12, the king of Tyrus. And he's been in the Garden of Eden. And he walked among the precious stones. So you know that's not a man. But notice, the prince of Tyrus was a man in authority, but the king of Tyrus was a demon in authority. So the demon had authority over the same area that the man had authority over. As a matter of fact, he was motivating the man. The man thought he was in charge, but the king of Tyrus was in charge. He was merely a prince of Tyrus. Hmm. Hallelujah. So, when you see these folk acting the fool, it's not all them. There's someone else controlling. There's an unseen being in control. 
and he is dictating and pushing the buttons and causing them to do the wild and crazy things that they do. But they don't know it. They think they're God. Because I got all this power. I say things and, you know, I mean, how many of you ever saw that uh, that movie, Shaka Zulu? You saw that? He was uh, one, of the, the Zulu, one of the Zulu kings and and these uh, Europeans had come and they had their medicine and stuff and saved this young girl from dying. And, and, and Shaka said, who do you think you are? I have the power over life and death here. I'm the king here. And he had one of his, uh, one of his guys to run her through with a spear and kill her just to prove that he was in charge. He wasn't, he wasn't in charge. He was being motivated by the one who's really in charge. Same thing with bin Laden and all the rest of them. <laughs> they demon-controlled every one of them. But we're not to fear those things because just as it's explained here, everything is laid out for us. This is how you respond to this, and this is what you do for this. You need not fear them because everything is written about them. It's all laid out. How to handle them, how to deal with them, what to say, what not to say. What they can do and what they can't do. It's all laid out in the word. But too many people hide their head in the sand. Like the, like the individual that I told you about before. Anytime they, they start to do something that they want to do, and they start to get that opposition, they know that the devil don't like that, they back off. That's, unfortunately, that's where a lot of Christians are. And uh, it's, it's sad, but it's true. All right. So I want us to look, please, at, uh, I want to give you these, these few scriptures. We started on Mark 16. Mark the 16th chapter. And we looked at, on Sunday... Verse 17, hallelujah. I've had a few encounters with devils and demons. Amen. I had, uh, I had some real encounters with them, and uh, it's not a pretty thing. <laughs> Amen. It's not a pretty thing. Uh, I remember back, oh, my goodness, it must have been about, six years ago or so that we were about to do some kind of a, uh, we're about to do some kind of an event and it, we did it, we did it. But in the midst of it, uh, someone had said to me, well, why don't you just make it into a conference? And, uh, then we could invite other people, other ministers, other churches and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I said, well, I really wasn't interested in that, but I don't see how I could hurt. I mean, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine with me. You can write it up and we can do it that way. So uh, that night I went home and I thought no more about it. And either it was that night or the next night, I had this encounter. And uh, many of you heard it, you probably forgot it. See, because you can forget it because it's, it didn't happen to you. But when it happened to you, it's fresh. I mean, it's like it just happened, okay? I remember it vividly. So anyway, in this, in this dream encounter, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, 
I was going into a parking lot, and it was an underground parking lot, and I was going into this parking lot looking for my car, and it had like, it had like areas that the cars were set back. And in, I knew that my car was set back in this particular area, but there were no lights. It was dark. It was dark back there. So I, I turned the corner, and I started going back into this dark area because I knew my car was back there. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't thinking about being afraid. I'm going to get my car. Well, I took a few steps into the dark. Notice, into the dark. Into the dark. It was dark. I took a few steps into the dark. Now I can see nothing. All of a sudden, sudden, something grabbed me. And it grabbed me and had my arms pinned like this. My arms were pinned, and it's face-to-face with me, and it's a demon. I could see, I mean, it's clear as a bell. It's right in front of my face, these, these piercing red eyes and, you know, and it's holding me, and, you know, I'm trying to get away, and it ain't working, okay? It's, it's got me. And so, of course, the only thing I have working are my legs. So I'm scuffling with my legs, and we both fell down. But his face stayed right there, even though we fell down, and we're rolling on the ground because I'm struggling to get away. And finally, it dawned on my lightning-quick mind. (laughs) In the name of Jesus. And the thing let me go. It let me go. But it had me bound. I mean, just like this, like I had bands around my around me from my from my uh, waist up. It had me bound tightly. I could not get away. I could not use my arms at all. So when I said, in the name of Jesus, it loosed me and it was gone. And uh, I think I woke up. What in the world? Lord, what is that all about? Well, the Lord spoke to me. He said, the conference thing that you were thinking about doing, I never told you to do a conference. Had you done it, what you experienced is exactly what the enemy would do to you. What's wrong with a conference? Nothing's wrong with a conference if God tells you to do it. But if he doesn't tell you to do that and you just do it on your own, you're opening yourself up to the enemy to take control over you because you're in an area that you don't belong in. I said, (laughs) have you ever heard anything about a conference around you? Have you? You ever hear me say anything about a conference? Only you hear me say a campaign. You hear me say a seminar. You ain't hear me say no no conference. And until I get further instructions, you won't. I remember vividly. Okay. Like I said, you may not remember the testimony, but I remember it clear as a bell. So (laughs) these forces... They operate, they draw their power or their strength from disobedience or getting out of the will of God. That's where they draw their strength and their power from. 
And it's so easy to do. There's nothing wrong with a conference. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. But if it's not what God told you to do, you leave yourself wide open for whatever these forces want to do. And that's a startling revelation. But God said in his word very clearly that we are to be led by the Spirit. He said very clearly that he would bring to our remembrance the things of the word. That's how he's going to direct us. That's how he's going to instruct us, not just doing what we want to do, because that gives life and power to these forces that we're talking about. You have to be so careful that this is what what God wants me to do. This is what God told me to do. Now, I believe you guys have a project. Uh, Some of you are doing the MDI. And uh, one of the projects uh, my wife mentioned to me, I think it was something about TV ministry. Why should you be in TV or radio ministry or something like that? Okay. So she had written something up and, uh, you know, about, I think it was about uh, TV ministry. You could reach so many more people and this and that and the other. And I said, that's wonderful. And that's true. But did God tell you to go on television? I don't care how many people you can reach. Did God tell you to go on television? I mean, all of those points are true. They're correct. Now, if you want to make all those points and then at the end of it, in the next paragraph, state, I could use this for advertising. I could use television or radio for advertising or any of the, as a medium, just to get the word out of what I may be doing or even to to put a message out there or something like that. But just because it's a good thing, it does not mean that it's something you ought to do. So you really need to qualify things like that. And just because somebody else is on television and is working for them, it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And you may be opening yourself up for the enemy to do you much damage. Amen. Amen. That is critical in your understanding about dealing with spiritual things because you're going into an arena that maybe you're not all that comfortable in, you don't know that much about it, but you can learn. And you need to learn before you jump into it. Amen. All right. Now, in Mark 16, in the 17th verse, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall cast out devils. You have the authority to cast out devils. You have the authority to cast out devils devils. But there are other parts to the equation. You can't just go around casting out every devil that's in everybody, that's on every corner. You can't have a casting out party. You can't, I mean, you just can't do it. It doesn't work like that. It's not that simple. God has set up the system so that he will reveal to you through discerning of spirits or word of knowledge, he will let you know. If he lets you know of the existence of a 
demon in a person, in a building, in something, then you can deal with it. Remember the scripture where uh, I believe it was Paul and Silas or whoever they were, they were in this city to preach, and this woman was following them, this girl, and the word says she had a spirit of divination. She, she was a fortune teller, and she said, you know, these men have come from the Most High God to preach, you know, to preach the word of God. She was telling the truth. She was right on. But, uh, and the, the word says that they, she did this for many days. Well, here is the great apostle Paul who wrote approximately three quarters of the New Testament. How come he didn't deal with her the first day? He probably knew there was, hey, there's something wrong with this girl. But he did nothing about it until he got revelation from God on what it was and what to do with it. I mean, any one of us probably could say, oh, she demon-possessed, running around, you know, like a fortune teller or Miss Cleo or somebody, okay? We could, very easily we could say that. But he waited for God to reveal to him. Then he could do something about it. Who wants that going on for many days? Nobody does. But you don't just do it. I mean, somebody could be screaming and falling down on the floor and frothing at the mouth and carrying on. But if God doesn't reveal something to you, you can't do anything about it. Now, I've had a case. When we first, uh, uh, maybe our first the second year or something like that, might even been the first year that the church was started in the basement. We had a we had a, a case. And in this case, I mean basement small hole, maybe 35 people, and they I mean we packed in with 35 people, all right? Well, we had a case. This young man was sitting in the back, and all of a sudden he jumped up, started screaming and carrying on, and folks got out the way. They scattered, and he's, I mean, he's flipping chairs and flowing, throwing chairs around, and he's falling all over the chairs and on the floor and whatnot. I mean, it, it was a mess. And then finally, a couple of brothers jumped on him, and they was, you know, trying to hold him down, and he's screaming and kicking and carrying on. And, uh, and I'm still standing, you know, like standing back behind this little pulpit. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of room. I mean, there wasn't nowhere to go. Hey, man, you got to deal with this boy, okay? So anyway, so they're trying to hold him down and whatnot. And finally, I'm just standing. I'm waiting. I'm watching. Finally, I got it on the inside. And I, I took, it was only about three steps to be over where they were. I said, let him go. Let him go. <laughs> you see what he did? Let him go. And all I said was, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there'll be no manifestation in here, not in my presence. How come I didn't cast him out? God didn't tell me to cast him out. He didn't tell me what it was. But I said, see, because that person may want their demon. If they want their demon, you can't cast it out. You don't have authority over other people. Maybe he wanted his demon. Maybe that's why God didn't tell me to do it. But I have authority in that place and in my presence. I could stop. I said, no manifestation in my presence. You stop it. 
I mean, the boy has started writhing like a snake on the floor. Okay? So no manifestation. And he quieted down and he straightened out. And then he got up. I said, Are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. But you see, you can't you can't just go and jump on somebody and say, I'm gonna cast that thing out of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ain't gonna happen. There has to be a manifestation of the Spirit of God who reveals to you what it is and what to do about it. If he does not reveal it to you, there's nothing you can do about it but stop the manifestation in your presence. I will not have it. You cannot do that around me and in here. And he stopped. So, the casting out of devils that's spoken of here in Mark 16 it can refer to others, but it's as the Spirit reveals. It's not as you just do. It's as the Spirit reveals to you. But now, when it comes to yourself, your, your household, you got authority in your household, then you can deal with it. Then you can do something about it. But otherwise, if it's someone outside of your household, someone outside of your sphere of, in, of influence, you cannot do it. Now, yeah, that, that brings up a good point. We're just going to talk a while. Uh, you know, people, uh, uh, especially, especially men who go to church long enough to get, 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 you know, get devilish, they start talking about, I'm the head of the house. Okay, I'm the head of the house, and, and I, have, I have authority over the wife and this and that. Well, the word says that for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and, and, and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh, not one spirit. The only head of a woman is Jesus in the spirit. You might be the head of your house in the natural, but Jesus is the only head spiritually. If the, if the man was a spiritual head of the woman, of every woman, watch now, if he was a spiritual head of every woman, you couldn't get saved without your husband and he couldn't get saved without you. If they're one, and he's a spiritual head, one can't get saved without the other. Either you both lost or you both saved. So that cannot be what that means. But people have started whole denominations over that scripture. Reading it wrong. Interpreting it wrong. And we're one spirit. No, you're one spirit with the Lord. Jesus is the head of the that that scripture is talking about the man being the head of his wife because they're one foot as a matter of fact you remember that be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers do you know that he talks about he talks about a prostitute in the bible the same as he talks about a wife that if you join yourself to a prostitute you two are one flesh so, I mean, where these people get these crazy ideas that you become one spirit with, you know, we one spirit and I'm the head, I'm the, what? 
You ain't Jesus. <laughs> you are not Jesus. I don't care how holy you think you are as the man. Okay. You are one flesh, not one spirit. Hallelujah. And we know that plenty, plenty folk, we know the, the, the wife saved, the husband ain't saved, or vice versa. Okay. Can't be one spirit. If it was one spirit, everybody got to go one way or the other. Amen. All right. Praise God. You're one flesh. Remember that. I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of people that can be helped by that because they just don't know. And it's not always a, a malicious thing. Some of the fellows don't know. They think they think they're, they are the spiritual head of their wife. But they're not. That's Jesus' position. You cannot usurp Jesus' position. Hallelujah. All right. So, Mark 16, it very clearly says, without us going to the extreme, by us staying down the middle of the road, it very clearly says that we are to cast out devils. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Cast them out. Cast them out. Cast them out. Not have conversations with them. Amen. He said, I'm going to have no conversation. Okay? Cast them out. Now, there is a place there, but we'll look at that in a minute, where, where Jesus talked to the demon. There was a reason he talked to them. We are to cast them out. So, in other words, when, when there's something plaguing us that, that even, uh, uh, even looks like it's demon activity, we're to cast it out, not play with it. Cast it out of myself now, of my own sphere of influence. I cast that thing out. Okay, next uh, scripture. Uh, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. We're just going to take our time. I'm not going to try to, to, to hurry up and finish because we, there's some things that need to be said because we're, we're, we're dealing with the supernatural here. And, uh, I mean, it's already happening, but it's going to intensify. And as it intensifies, some of these things are, are going to be uh, right in front of us. And we need to know how to deal with it. Ephesians 4. Verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. In other words, don't give him any place. In other words, he cannot take place in you. You can only give him place. Do you see that? He cannot take any place in you. You can only give him place. It's the same thing I say about you cannot offend me. I can only take offense. If I choose not to take it, you can't give it. So if I don't give the devil any place, he can't have any place in me. The only way the devil gets place in people is they allow him to. They give place to him. If, that, if, it, if, this, if this wasn't here, then we could say we didn't have a choice in the matter. He took me over. No, this says neither give place to the devil. So we don't have to give him place. And notice he, he goes into a couple of scenarios. He said, let him that stole steal no more. 
because to steal would be to giving him place. If you were a thief, stop stealing. That's all you have to do. And then you're not giving him place any longer. But if you steal, as soon as you do it, you're giving him place. He has entree to move right back in. Hallelujah. All right. Let's look at let's look at uh, first Peter five. First Peter five. First Peter five, verse eight and nine. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he is your adversary. He's your enemy. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, several things here. First of all, the devil walks about as a roaring lion. Didn't say he was a lion. Says as a roaring lion. In other words, he's trying to scare you. He wants to frighten you. That's why God always says, fear not. He wants to frighten you because when fear comes, faith leaves. So as a roaring lion, he's making a lot of noise to scare you. But notice something else. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Who is this written to? Isn't this written to Christians? He's walking about the Christian community seeing who he can devour. He ain't worried about the folk in the world. He already got them. He's walking about the Christian community in the church, in the, in the conferences, in the meetings, seeking who's weak, who can I devour. So he's talking about Christians here. That's who he's seeking to devour. But then verse 9 says, whom resist? Steadfast in the faith. So I can resist him. That means I've been given the authority to resist the devil. I don't have to yield to what he's doing, saying, or trying. I can resist him. You say, well, how do I resist? Just say no. See, that don't work for drugs. Because that's not, that's, not that's not a spiritual thing. That's a natural thing. But it works in the spirit realm. You just say, no, no, I resist that. I'm not going to do it. Just like he said, he who stole, see that he steal no more. I say, no, I'm not going to steal anymore. I refuse to do that, get involved in that anymore. You are resisting the devil. And when you resist him, you are exercising authority. You have the authority to resist him steadfast in the faith. These same things are coming to all believers, but only the ones who resist are the ones that he cannot devour. You must resist. You must resist sickness. You must resist, I mean, even the so-called common cold. It's nothing common about it. It's demonic. Anything that comes against you 
to hasten the death process is Satan. He comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. So anything like that, any dis-ease coming from him, you are supposed to resist it. Most people don't resist it. They say, oh, well, everybody get a cold. I just get me some of this and some of that so I feel better. What about resisting? What about resisting? They say, oh, I'll just, you know, I just take me some Tylenol. I'll be all right. What about resisting? You're doing the natural stuff. How about the spiritual stuff? Resist him. Say, no. No. I've had marvelous opportunities just this winter for stuff to come on me. I mean, the head. You know. Okay. I don't know you don't. I resist that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, you can't put that on me. I will not have it. I mean, the throat get tickly. You know, all of those things happen. It happens to me just like it happens to everybody else. But I'm here every Sunday because I resist. So no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. You can't put that on me. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What you're trying to put on me is a part of the law of sin and death. I'm free from that. And I resist you, devil, in the name of Jesus. No. I resist it. Simple as that. I resist it. I often give the testimony about the cold sores. I used to get cold sores every single season. You know, and them things hurt like, I mean, you'd rather somebody stab you than one of them things. Them things hurt so bad, you know? And I used to get them every season, and where I dread it, okay? Then one, one day, it dawned on me. I said, wait a minute. According to the word, I don't have to put up with that. I can resist that. I can resist that. That's been, oh my goodness, it must be at least six years now. I think I've had one, and I got rid of that one in a matter of hours. And I used to get them every season, every season. When it went from, from hot to cold or went from cold to hot, I would get them like clockwork. Why? I didn't resist it. I wasn't exercising the authority that God had given me over the devil. I resisted it. I don't have them anymore. I don't have them anymore. Why do we not resist? We must resist. You know, how many, okay, how many, how many people in here can honestly say that you're afraid of snakes? Let me see your hand. Okay? Now, that's most people. You see my hands up, too. Amen. You, you see my hands up, too. But now, now, do you remember that the, the scripture says in Genesis that the fear of you would be on every animal. Do you realize even the scientists have found out snakes are more afraid of you than you should be of them? They're afraid of you. God put that on them. <laughs> you look like he's scared of me. <laughs> <laughs> see that's why you got to get out the natural and into the spiritual see they fear you more than you fear them because God put that fear in every animal it says it right in the scripture so you better read it to them then because 
That dog didn't know he was scared of me. <laughs> Amen. But you gotta that you've got to resist. That's your that's your part in the equation. You must resist. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, with that same scenario, I don't say that anymore. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't say anymore. I, I I'm afraid of snakes. Now I say I hate snakes. Amen. And I do. And I do. Hate them. Amen. I could have been in the garden of Eden if it wasn't for a snake. <laughs> Amen. All right. Okay, so he says, again, he says, uh, <laughs> yeah, resist, resist, resist. You must resist him. Okay? In Ephesians, he said, give no place to him. Now turn over to James. You're right nearby. Just back up a little bit. James 4. Now this scripture uh, goes a little further than even Peter does. Notice, notice the difference here. In James 4, 7, the word says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It didn't just say, like Peter said, just resist him. It said, resist him, and he will flee. He will run from you. If you resist him, he will run. He will flee. To flee means to run as in terror. He's terrified because when you resist him, Using the name of Jesus, it's that name that terrifies him. So when you resist him using that name, he runs away as in terror. He flees, he runs away from that name. So when you resist him, James, unlike Peter, added a little power to it, and he said he will flee from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Now, I want you to turn, please, to Matthew 12. Matthew chapter 12. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to me because I know what I, I, know what I have to uh, deal with. See, God doesn't allow things to sneak up on you. Amen. He lets you know beforehand. I know I'm going to have to deal with devils and demons. He showed me that from the beginning. I mean, that little, the little, uh, uh, the little testimony I gave you about what happened in the church in the beginning, and I had other encounters like that, personal uh, encounters like the one I told you about with the, uh, with the the parking lot situation. So, I've known for a long time that I was going to have to deal with demons, demons and devils. Would I rather not? Sure would. But hey. He does not ask you what assignment would you like. <laughs> God just doesn't do that. When you know anything, you got the assignment. It comes with the package. <laughs> Amen. All right. So in, in Matthew chapter 12, oh my, my time is going away, uh, verse 43. 
When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now, several things in here. Notice he said, when the unclean spirit is going out of a man. Well, he, has, he called it an unclean spirit because there are many different kinds of spirits. There are unclean spirits. There are homosexual spirits. There are lying spirits. There are uh, religious spirits. That's what was on the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those are religious spirits. There's all kinds of spirits. There, there are spirits that drive people to do things that they would not ordinarily do. They're, so there are all kinds of spirits. So when he, when he specifically says unclean spirit, he's talking about a specific group of spirits that are called unclean. They're not all the same. Now watch. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Several points right here. Uh, when you hear people praying and commanding and demanding and casting them out and sending them to the pit, and you know, I'll send you to hell. And Did you know you can't do that? You can't. If you could do it, Jesus would have sent them all when he was here. Jesus couldn't even do it. So every time we, you hear somebody praying some, some demon out, and you send them to, the, I'll send you to the pit of hell. The devil laughing at you because he knows you don't know the word. He ain't going nowhere. He knows you don't know the word. He's got you. Already, he's got you. I cast you out in the name of the Jesus Christ. To the pit! And he says, ha, ha, ha. I got you now. I don't have to go nowhere. Okay? Because he's a legalist. That's why he's always, he's always speaking to the Father, accusing the brethren. He's pulling out the book and legally saying, well, it says this, and they did that. You can't send them to the pit of hell. You can't. There's another place here. That's another one. We're going to torment the devil. You ain't tormenting no devil. You can't. Remember when he... He cast us, Jesus cast the spirits out of some. And they said, have you come to torment us before the time? So there's a specific time that they're going to be tormented, not when you want to do it. We're going to hold the devil down and we're going to torment him. All you're going to do is get tired. That's all you're going to do is get tired. I mean, if you just read the book, it'll tell you, tell you specifically. <laughs> 
All right? So when the unclean spirit is going out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Okay? When you, can, when you do cast a demon out, where does he go? Dry places. Where's that? I don't know, but it's dry places. That's what the Bible says. That's where he goes. He goes to dry places. And another point is he's restless. He's restless. So when he's there, you know, you, you have been restless. You, you want to you sleep, but you can't. You know what I mean? Your legs just don't act right. You know, you, I mean, you, no matter how much you move them and try to put them in a, a comfortable position, you just can't. Well, just, just magnify that a thousand times. That's the way the demons are when they've been cast out. Because they're going through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. So when you say, well, what do you mean by dry places? Well, stop and think for a minute. They have nobody. They have nobody. They are disembodied spirits. So the body, our bodies, are made up of, my goodness, 80, 90% water. So they go to dry places. They want a warm body to be in. If they just wanted a body, why don't they go in all them dead folk? Ah, no, no, no. They want, they need a warm body with, you know, stuff circulating, fluid. That's what they want. When, when a demon, when a demon possessed person dies, that spirit leaves. I don't want that. I don't want that. I'm going to find me something alive. All right? That's what they're looking for. So when the scripture says they go through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. So that tells me, like Dr. Price's flip-flop method, when they're in a person, they're at rest. Ooh, wait a minute. They're at rest. They're, they're, they are comfortable. They like it there. That's why we're to cast them out. Cast them out. Don't let them get comfortable in anybody. If the man wants to be free, we have the authority to cast them out. Let them go to dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Hallelujah. Okay, so now he says, oh, man, my time. <clears throat> okay. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. Wait a minute. That was never his house. He is a squatter. He is somebody that doesn't belong there, but he's claiming it as his house. And he says, I'll go back to my house where I came from. Well, how can he do that? 44. I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Empty, swept clean, 
you ever, you ever, uh, I don't know if I don't know if they do that for apartments, but in in the housing industry, there's such a thing as uh, room clean. When people when you buy a house, it has to be broom clean. In other words, they have to clean it out. They have to sweep. There should, should be no 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 dirt left in there. There should be no old pieces of furniture and all that kind of stuff. It has to be cleaned out. I don't know if they do that with apartments, but I know they do that with houses. That's what he comes back and finds. If you don't fill it with the word of God, he comes back in. He has a right to come back in. And he will come back. And the scripture says he'll bring seven other demons worse than himself. And they will enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. He'll be worse off when they come back than he was when you cast them out. So, as I, as I said Sunday, it is a terrible thing to cast a spirit out of a man and not let that man know that if you don't fill yourself up with the word of God, if you don't not only get saved, but continue in the word, especially, watch, hear me carefully now, remember what he said, I will go back to my house in the demon's estimation, that is their house. And if you ever fall off the wagon, so to speak, they're right there. You can't afford to get away from God. You can't afford, when you come out of that situation, you can't afford to backslide. If you're ever in that situation, you can't afford to get out of fellowship with God because they're standing right there waiting. They're waiting for the moment that you do, and they're back. And your state will be worse than it was before they were cast out the first time. I got to stop. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Father. Give your name the glory for everything accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's Living by Faith podcast. We trust you received something out of today's message. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at New FMCF. Friend us on Facebook at Faith Mission Christian Fellowship International. And always remember, be not afraid, only believe. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Jesus is Lord and he is coming soon.